This is The Upside, a talk and music show on a theme that is upbeat and offbeat. I'm your host, Jen Ferrara. Today is a rainy and cold day, a typical early summer morning in Vermont. And frankly, I'd be happy to be home with a warm cup of coffee knitting. But instead, I'm bringing the knitting to you. Today, I'm speaking with Jen Arbuckle, Kelly Otti, and Angela Zakowski, the co-owners of Must Love Yarn, a fiber arts store in Shelburne, Vermont. We're going to be talking about fiber arts, community, and how it all knits together. Get it? Knits together? Uh-huh. Plus, we're going to chat about Worldwide Knit and Public Day, which is coming up this Saturday, June 8th. And so here's a little bit about my guests. An almost lifelong Vermonter, a practicing healthcare architect for more than 25 years, and a voracious knitter, Jen Arbuckle loves that being one of the co-owners at Must Love Yarn gives her the opportunity to build a knitting community that includes other knitters and farmers and fiber lovers of all kinds. Co-owner and Must Love Yarn manager Kelly Otti enjoys teaching knitting and crochet, especially to people who are new to these fiber arts. As a graduate of UVM's College of Agriculture, Kelly appreciates working with the local shepherds who provide must love yarn with gorgeous, locally produced wool yarns. And although she has a more behind the scenes role in running the business, you can find practicing attorney and co-owner Angela Zakowski on the weekly Must Love Yarn podcast, where her knitting and yarn shenanigans are shared with the community. Side note, I love the word shenanigans. <laughs> All right, so hello, Jen, Angela, and Kelly. Hi. I think this is the most people we've had on a single mic ever, which is really exciting. So um, I'm fascinated by the fact that you chose to do something extraordinarily brave, I feel like, in this, in this past 20 years of starting a brick and mortar yarn store at a time where lots of people are not doing that. Um, and you did it together. And I'd just love to hear how that happened, how this got started. So we were actually part of a knitting group in Charlotte, which we all sort of started together with a lot of other people. And one by one, the yarn stores that served this area, um, not all of them, but some of them started to close. And so we got a little bit anxious and we were talking about it and kind of joking about it. And like all good jokes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it comes true. And so we started to talk about opening our own store and we went back and forth for a year or two and then we sort of made the decision and six months later, there we were. Oh my goodness. It, was this something you had ever thought of prior to this time, like having a store? I think all of us had thought about it off and on, um, but we pretty much realized we could not do it by ourselves. Yeah. It took the skills of the three of us to be able to pull it off. Okay, so that was Angela. Now, Kelly, you're, you're manager more the daytime in the store person? Yeah, that's correct. I'm there pretty much on, an, on a day-to-day basis. I do all the ordering and meeting with sales reps and bringing in the new yarns and, and doing a lot of the teaching and classes and things like that. Wow. And so between the three of you, you make it work. <laughs> we do. That's correct. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so did you have particular goals when you started the shop beyond the fact that there was a need, um, that you had like a, you know, your vision for what's Must Love Yarn going to be about? Yeah, we did. Uh, community was really important to us. So that was something that we wanted to always incorporate, uh, have a knitting group and have a really active knitting community. And we have a really large classroom gathering space. And that was important to us. That's why we dedicated so much of our store to that particular space. Uh, and also just 
supporting our local farmers was really important to us as well. Yeah, I was really interested. To, I didn't even think about that, um, partially because I live in the suburbs and I don't see a lot of sheep and wool manufacturing happening. But so there's a, there's a healthy yarn making community here? There really is. We uh, support over, I think, something between 25 and 30 local vendors. Uh, most of those are yarn producers and small sh- uh, sheep farmers. So yeah, we support a lot of, of those, you know, all over the state of Vermont and some regionally as well and dyers as well too. Right. And I, yeah, I've seen, I definitely see some of the local dyeing and that seems like um, maybe an easier way into producing yarn, but having a farm, there's farmers with sheep and making yarn here. But I guess that makes sense. It's Vermont. I think I kind of curious about uh, what your what your feelings are. Like, what year did you start, and how have things changed from your initial thoughts about the store? Like, now that you're here, looking back on where you were when you first got going, and I don't remember exactly how many years it's been. So we started the store in 2015. I only remember because that's part of one of our passwords. <laughs> Otherwise, the last three and a half <laughs> years have been a bit of a blur. And um, we won't share that. Yeah, no, no, no. It's only part of the password. Um, We'll go go change it right now. Um, And so I think three and a half years in, at the beginning, I think we were like, well, let's see what's going to happen. Maybe this will work and maybe it won't. And three and a half years in, I think we're sort of every day kind of pleasantly surprised that it seems to be working and we're adding more stuff all the time. We moved the store after the first year and a half maybe because a better location really for us came up. And so that was kind of a leap of faith as well because it was a much bigger space. As you know, we have managed to fill it right up with all kinds of amazing yarns (laughs) and fibers. Um, So I think along the way, we just sort of constantly evaluate where we're at and what we want to do and how to continue to build on what we've done so far. And so, yeah, please, Angela. I think one of the things that surprised us the most is how much of a need there was for community. So not only here in Vermont, but with the podcast, we have a really strong community outside of Vermont. Uh, For folks who don't have a local yarn store, who don't have a local knit group, we have become that for them. Uh, And that is actually pretty amazing. I think also just to add to that as Mm -hmm. the person who is not on the podcast (laughs) hardly (laughs) at all, uh, is just the growth of it and the ability for it to help support the store. Uh, Mm -hmm. The community piece is definitely the most important piece. But you know, they, you guys have what, 3,000, almost, almost 4,000 listeners. And, you know, and we, you guys started, we started the podcast like six months after we opened the store, maybe something like that. So that's, and we did it with no real publicity. Everything we've done, we've really built using social media and, and a little bit of local advertising. Do you find, okay, so full, I think, I think you all know, but make sure listeners know I'm a knitter. I am like, I've been She's wearing an awesome hand-knitted sweater <laughs> at this very moment. I'm wearing one of my favorite sweaters right now that I made nine years ago. Believe it or not, it's still holding up. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of knitting going on right here, right now. And I promise I'm going to take a photo of this so y'all can see <laughs> what's going on because there's some beautiful knits happening. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I, th- I think of knitters as being like pretty... Uh, committed folks like if something's working well they're in if it's not working well they're out but (laughs) but you know you've got a like you've got a committed following so you must be doing a lot of things well 
apparently we are. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those like humble brag moments. I'm not sure what to make you say about that. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk a little bit about what you have with you. There's some knitting going on right now. Um, Angela, you've got the mic. And so folks, I'm sorry about the squeaky mic. We've got three people on one mic. This is Community Radio, and we appreciate your patience with that. Angela's knitting a beautiful purpley lilac-y thing. I mean, this color is just gorgeous. So tell us about it. Thank you. So this is yarn from Kingdom Fleece and Fiberworks, which is actually one of our local vendors. Uh, this is in the Must Love Yarn colorway. So, oh, cool. Uh, the dyer... Uh, put together a special colorway for us. And this is going to be a sweater for my daughter. Uh, she actually picked out the yarn. Oh, that's exciting. And yes. she, will she wear it? That's the question. She, yes, she really? will. Really? I have a seven-year-old and I have gotten nowhere with getting him to wear anything I've knitted. I, you know, like he, I made him this like cute one, this hooded, these like little hooded sweaters or short sleeve with a hood and a big pocket. Super cute. Put it on, he's like, it's so, it's so itchy, mom. Where's the micro fleece? You know? It's definitely an age thing. Uh, oh. When my niece was really young, I could knit stuff for her. And she wore them happily, or at mm -hmm. least apparently happily, until she was about maybe five or mm -hmm. something. And then mm -hmm. she started to get a little pickier about what she was wearing. Uh, good news is it's come full circle. And now that she's 11 and change, she's knitting something for herself to wear, which is really exciting. So she's wow. she's come around. That's really good to hear. Yeah, I was very disappointed. Yeah, When my kid was a baby, all these people sent me these beautiful knits. And we dressed the kid like head to toe in homemade stuff for a while. But this is a sad time right now. It's very, <laughs> if it doesn't have a superhero on it, if it's not made of like something plasticky and like horrible for the environment, <laughs> he won't want to put it on. I'm totally slamming Mike. The, the poor guy gets so much grief on the radio. It's not fair. Um, so let's take a quick song break because I want to talk more about community and about stuff that's going on um, and take a picture of the knitting and we'll come back right after this. So folks, you are listening to The Upside. This is the Knit Together Show. This is Jen Farrar and I'm here with the owners of Must Love Yarn, Jen, Angela, and Kelly, and we will be right back. So I'm curious about the community aspect. We keep talking about how community is important. Um, but frankly, knitting and crocheting and, and most of these things can be done alone, right? I mean, I, I, frankly, because of my life schedule, I do most of my knitting between 9.30 and 10.30 at night in my house. So what's the trick to getting people out and to getting people connected? Well, for sure, giving them a space to do that. And so we talked about that a lot before we open in terms, uh, some knitting stores will have uh, their knitting groups like during the middle of the day or something like that, which you know, there's a certain group of people that can certainly come at that time, but there's a lot of people that can, especially working folks. And so we were really thoughtful or tried to be thoughtful about doing one of our knitting groups on Wednesday evenings, like right from after work till like seven o'clock. And then on Sunday afternoons, because we're open every day, that gives us the benefit or luxury of being able to have one of them on Sundays. And so we have a pretty solid core group. It's a different, like each day has a different core group, although there's a lot of overlap. So some people come twice a week, um, others only just come the one time a week. But we have all ages. We have a few men that pop in every now and then, less so than women for sure. But let's not ignore the men in this conversation. There's a lot of male knitters out there, which is great. So um, for us, it was just trying to make something that was appealing to people. We don't really have any 
format. Some people facilitate them or do them like a lesson or something mm-hmm. like that. Ours is sort of open-ended. We have some rules of conduct and sort of, you know, behavior control. Yeah. <laughs> trying to a little bit if we need to. Well, I think that's actually a really nice thing, too, because when you, when you walk into... I've walked with strangers. In, yeah, when you walk into a thing and you're like, well, do I have to buy something right now to knit? Do I have to like, how do I connect with folks? And I've been to other places where there's like um, a teeny little chair or two and you're like, uh, that it's not definitely not a place where I'm allowed to sit. But you go into your shop and it's like, here's this giant table. Here's our rules in terms of like what, how you get along with people. And like, it just makes I'm a person who likes, I'm the person who like reads all the rules at the swimming pool, you know? And then I'm like, why didn't they take a shower? You're supposed to take a shower, right? So like, I really admire and respect that because you do have a lovely list of rules. It's really like, don't talk about these are things, be respectful of everybody, you know? This is a public group, there's other people shopping, just, you know, trying to be like, like be thoughtful and mindful of how you interact. And that's a value added, I think, from, a lot of groups where, you know, think about online groups and stuff, there's a lot of places where people just kind of like dump. And you're holding a like higher standard by having a thing there, like having a little expectation. I think, yeah, I mean, for us, the difficulty always is just that we have such a diverse group of people and they're all ages. And so in the conversation, you know, they're human beings. So the conversation veers all over the place. And so uh, it starts out with knitting and then there's all kinds of directions it can go in. And uh, so we had to, at some point, set a a few little boundaries just so that people were respectful of other people's, you know, opinions and political leanings and thoughts. And, you know, everybody has different belief systems. And so we just, you know, you have to have a place where there's some common ground that um, makes people sort of get along. Yeah. Any other thoughts to add about community? Well, I just, I think it helps that all the folks coming together have knitting in common. Um, I don't know if you've tried to talk about knitting to people who are not knitters. <laughs> it, it, you get sort of that blank stare like, and look about, is she going to stop talking soon? because I don't know how to respond to this. But when you're with other people who engage in that craft, you have that to talk about. And you have people who appreciate or fawn over what you're doing or are excited for what you're working on. And and that makes people feel good. And to kind of touch on that same point that Angela made, you know, Angela, Jennifer, and myself would never have met had it not been for knitting. Our, our career paths just don't mesh at all and you know and it turns out we're we're some of the best friends you know because of that and I think that our our knitting group has done that for other people Mm -hmm. there's a lot of you know different backgrounds in our knit group and they probably wouldn't have not met you know were it not for the knit group so they've they've built a lot of really lasting relationships because of that and you know a lot of people have leaned on each other in the knit group during difficult times, which I think is huge because, you know, it's, it's somebody else that, you know, can help you through something. So I like that. So it's really a crossed over. It's not just here, we're here knitting, but we're actually having real relationships and connecting with people. Oh, that's great. Um, having been to the knit group if less than I'd like, but when I've come, I've always found everyone there to be really lovely. So shout out to the knit group folks. Hi. Um, you're awesome. Um, yeah, so, okay, I want to go um, back to the podcast um, a little bit more because as a radio person, I'm pretty interested in like why someone starts a podcast and did you, 
did you know like you jumped into it pretty early in starting the show and starting the store did you um have a particular objective going into it do you have a particular strategy for for how you do it now I think when we first started, we just wanted to reach a bigger audience with the store, and it was a a great way to connect and tell people about who we were and where we were and get the message out there. And I think we all watch a fair amount of different knitting podcasts, and we just thought it would be a a really interesting way to, to share our love for what we do and also reach a broader audience. And we had no experience going into it. We just, it's been a learning experience the whole time. So yeah, but we've, we've really enjoyed it and we've made some really great friends uh, through it that we've met at different festivals. And, you know, we always try to plan time so that we can get together with those people if they, if they want to meet up with us uh, at different festivals around the region. Yeah, it is pretty lucky that you have the, we have New York Sheep and Wall, we have Vermont Sheep and Wall, I'm sure there's some other ones that I don't know about, um, but like places where you can then connect with the people that have been watching you and listening to you online. So if you go back and watch our early episodes, it's very clear we have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) Hopefully over the three years we've been doing it, we've gotten a little more polished and sort of have our routine down. But I think it became very clear that we were again providing that community mm-hmm. to a group of people who don't have a local yarn store to go to, who don't have a local knit group. And we've become that circle for them. It was incredibly apparent when we hosted a retreat in March and we had people coming from all over the country. Wow! And those were folks who were coming because they watched the podcast and they left with, I think, lifelong in-person friends as they were able to connect with each other over the weekend. So that has been, I think, the biggest surprise for me um, and probably one of the most um, rewarding aspects of the podcast. I think maybe just the last thing I would say, and I don't want to dwell on this necessarily, but it is realistically part of the reason we do it. It is a business decision as well because in this environment that we all live in, everybody's connected through you know Facebook or Instagram or a million different whatever types of things that bind people together. And so our store has an online presence as well as a bricks and mortar presence, and so that helps keep us in business to some degree because it boosts our sales a little bit. And the bigger the community, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, really, it is about the community, but the bigger the community, the more likely we get to stay here. Right. You <laughs> keep doing to, what we do, you know. Right. To have the space, you have to pay the rent. That totally makes sense. And, and also, there's the whole Ravelry community that um, you have a presence on as well, right? There's like a Must Love Yarn group. And um, for folks who are not aware, Ravelry is this kind of thing that was like bigger than Facebook. Honestly, when Facebook was little and only for college students, it was already off the ground for knitters. Um, and I think that's just an interesting thing to like acknowledge is like how um, you're a perfect example of folks who are doing something that's incredibly low tech and then but really integrating with current technology and social media and all these ways that um, to reach people and embracing that, which is really cool. Uh, if you want to say anything about that, just sort of pondering. No, I think that's great. Uh, I was just going to add on to that, and I think um, Angela alluded to it earlier. You know, 
uh, for all the knitters out there, they already know this, but there is a sort of alternate universe for knitters. <laughs> it's like anyone who does a craft. So if you're a woodworker, there's a whole bunch of stuff related to woodworking that I know a little bit about, but not a lot. But like with any artisan or maker type of thing, there's a lot of information available out there. And Ravelry is really great. And they are not only a great resource for knitters, but they're a huge supporter of local yarn stores and the way that they do their business and the way they give us access to certain things that we can then pass on to our customers. So it's a truly wonderful thing. And we, we use it for all kinds of things, not just to sell patterns and all the other stuff that goes along with that, um, but to publicize our events and all the other um, activities and fun stuff that we do at the store. All of our various knit-alongs and crochet-alongs. So, um, what, so what is a knit-along? So a, a knit-along is where you, as a group, work on either a specific pattern or type of pattern. So sometimes it could be something like, we're all going to knit socks, or we're all going to knit a hat with this sort of feature, a cable or mohair. Mohair is very big right now. So lots of things happening with mohair. Um, Currently, we are doing a knit along for a specific shawl. It's called the Blackberry Shawl. Uh, It's a fantastic uh, fingering weight, so sock yarn weight and mohair um, shawl, so we're doing that. And we're also doing a crochet along, uh, which like many things uh, started on the podcast as kind of a joke. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have a question about the crochet along. Um, maybe Kelly, do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Sure. So we, <laughs> Angela and I joke a lot with each other on the podcast, and I think that's why a lot of people can can relate to, to us and, and our shenanigans. Um, but we Uh, Angela has had some difficulties (laughs) with crochet over the years and she's I think she's finally maybe getting getting there with it though Uh, and we had a joke and I said we'll just have a a crochet along that's going to be uh, an Angela Angela can't participate (laughs) crochet along Uh, so it just kind of started as a joke and then we decided to, to run with it. So we are doing it and I, and I am allowing Angela to participate, of course. So what's it, but what's it called? It's called Angela's, it's called the Angela's not allowed. Angela's Angela's not not allowed allowed. crochet along. Yeah. That explains. So I saw it and I was like, is that a pattern? Like (laughs) we're not allowed to do Angela, but anything else you can do? No, that's great. That's right. Yeah. So we have a, a lot of people who are crocheting and we, we've had a lot of people who have, been appreciative that we have included people who do crochet because there's a lot of communities that are, are you know, strictly knitting. And, mm. you know, we open up even our knit, we call it a knit group, but it's really a fiber arts group. We have people that come and spin and crochet and weave and, you know, do a little bit of everything. We've had some people who come in with their, their sewing and hand stitch during the group. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So it's really open to anyone and everyone that, that wants to come and, and hang out and meet people. Yeah, that's a good thing to mention, because I think it's really easy to just say knitting all the time, but there's a ton of things you can do with a string and yarn and fiber, and it's all really interesting and valuable, and it all connects, right? Um, speaking of uh, interesting string, Jen, we haven't uh, heard about what you're knitting. You're working on something fluffy and um, and very cloud-like and... 
Yeah, so I am working with Mohair Yarn, and okay. I um, have, um, I guess, a dinner or an event to go to um, in a couple of weeks, so I have to keep going pretty quick here, that <laughs> uh, I wanted like a little shoulder warmer to wear over my dress for this event, and so I looked at a bunch of patterns, and I was trying to decide what to do, and then I just sort of decided to create my own pattern, so I'm knitting and creating the pattern as I go. I figured it out mostly, but I'm figuring it out as I go along as well. So hopefully that pattern will actually become a real pattern once I'm done with this. And, oh, cool. And so we'll see. But right now it's, uh, yeah, it's a little fluffy, a little fluffy shoulder cozy type thing. That's beautiful. And so do you, do you design a lot of patterns? Um, no, I've done a couple. Um, I don't have as much time <laughs> as I would like to do that. I have a million things in my head. I just I just don't have as much time as I would like to yeah. do it. So. so that's a great question, um, actually. You know, this is often a thing people talk about is like, well, if I do what I love for my job, I don't get to actually love it as much or I don't get to do the thing. You know, if you really like blank, in this case knitting, and you open up a knitting store, do you still feel like the you know, as a, as a personal passion and, and thing you do, has it changed for you? Uh, for me, not so much. Um, you know, I have another full-time job, more than full-time job. And so, uh, that's really the time constraint. Mm -hmm. Um, so if, uh, if I didn't have that job, I would have all kinds of time to do everything I wanted to do, but my excitement and ideas about knitting um, haven't decreased at all. I just feel like every year that goes by, I, there's more stuff to learn. I, I haven't, I've been knitting for 20 some odd years now and I haven't stopped liking it yet. And the store has done nothing except for enhance that <laughs> appreciation and want to do more and learn more and figure out how to do stuff better. That's great. I think for me, I also have another full-time or more than full-time job, a professional job. So I am grateful for the time that I do get to sit and knit, uh, which is usually also in the evenings or during the podcast. Uh, I've found that I've had to be a lot more uh, thoughtful and maybe selecting my projects with sort of the podcast in mind or if we need shop samples or other types of how I would pick how I pick patterns, uh, though, again, it's just tends to be the, ooh, shiny, that I like that. Let's figure <laughs> out how to work that into the store. Um, so no, it not yet. Uh, so I'm at the store every day, and a lot of people say, oh, it must be great, you get to knit all day. <laughs> uh, right, right. That, that's not actually what happens, and most of the time I, I don't have any time to knit during the day unless I'm working on a customer's project. So we do finishing for customers, and uh, so if I have some of that to do, then I, and I do work on customer projects at the store, but typically all of my knitting time happens away from the store as well. And um, I think in a lot of ways, I've grown a lot as a knitter just from having the store. I mean, I, I'm pretty much self-taught. I was taught at a very young age the basics, and but then I you know, really learned a lot just by you know, when I started, there weren't YouTube videos. So, right, you know, right. it was books and, and just seeking out this information. But it's uh, have, being at the store on a regular basis and helping customers with problems. You know, I've seen almost everything there is to see with knitting and knitting problems and patterns. And 
you you learn a lot in a very short amount of time just by taking all of that information in and having to figure out problems if it's something you haven't seen before and just the troubleshooting part of it. So, you know, that's really helped me grow as a as a knitter a lot. And it's been really rewarding and just working with the customers and helping them through problems. And, you know, so I, I, it'd be nice to, to be able to know more, but, you know, it, yeah. there's a lot of rewarding things that, that come with owning the, the yarn store, too. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. I, I get I get as a person who teaches video making, I, you're not seeing me make a lot of documentaries right now. And um <laughs> And as a person who knits, uh, you won't see me do something that isn't in the round, but I'm sure you don't have that choice if you're helping people. And it would push, I would imagine, your skill set past what you're comfortable with because you're trying to help others. This is John. I just have to say that that was the thing that scared me the most about opening the store because I am there on Sunday afternoons usually. And, you know, there's still every now and then I feel much more confident about helping people with their questions or, or problems. But at the very beginning, I was like, what if someone asked me a question like I can't answer? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do these things or figure out what's wrong. can barely solve my own problems in my knitting. But, you know, a lot of times it's somehow it's easier to look at someone else's work sometimes uh, and figure out what's going on. And there are certainly things that I still probably can't figure out for them. But I have to say it's um, it hasn't been as scary as I thought it was going to be. Thank <laughs> Thank goodness. So. <laughs> we're talking about knitting, but, you know, we're talking about all the good things you can do with yarn as well. And um, I'm here with the owners of Must Love Yarn, Jen Arbuckle, Kelly Adi, and Angela Zykowski. And um, we've talked a lot about the shop and how you got started and about knitting and community and what you're working on. And what we've not talked about, but I keep saying we're gonna talk about, is Worldwide Knit in Public Day, which sounds super cool. And big, worldwide, right? So um, can you tell us a little bit about what's what's happening? What's that about? So Worldwide Knit in Public Day, I'm not sure of the exact time frame of when it started, but it, it was something to get knitters all over the world out there and and make knitting have more of a presence in the public eye. You know, a lot of people just think it's something women sit at home and do when they've retired. And the truth of it is, is so far off from that. You know, we're... Um, we have people, young children, all the way up to grandmothers who are knitting and participating, men, women, everybody. And I think... It was a way for everybody to get their faces out there and say, hey, I'm a knitter. And, you know, just to to really show that that there are a lot of people that that do this thing that we all love. So. And so what is it going to look like here in Vermont? Yeah. So here we are doing uh, beginning at 1130 at our store in Shelburne. Um, We are starting off by just doing kind of like a little picnic. Uh, We're asking everybody who comes to bring a dish to share. And it's a free event uh, just to come and hang out, bring a chair. We're going to be outside. It's going to be a beautiful day. Oh, yes. I know. (laughs) And we're this year we're doing something a little new. Um, In years past, we've we've pretty much just kept it kind of like a a knitting group, but outside, you know, we're right on Route 7. So we kind of wave to cars as they go by and and scare them a little with our knitting. (laughs) But uh, this year we're actually hosting the first ever Muscle of Yarny Ad Games. So we're going to be doing some 
sporting events. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have knitting needle javelin throws. We are. Wow. Yeah. There's gonna be some rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> wow. There's gonna be speed knitting, speed crochet competitions. Uh, we are gonna be handing out medals, of course. This would not be a proper games without medals and prizes. Uh, and there's a lot of other uh, really fun events that we've got planned. So uh, one of our full-time uh, employees and, and our part-time employee, too, they've been putting a lot of effort. Andrea and Pam, I've got to give them a shout-out. Right. They've been putting a lot of effort into getting everything ready for the game. So, uh, yeah, we'll be starting the games probably about noon. Okay. So if you want to participate in the games, uh, be sure to be there uh, right around noon. And you don't um, need to sign up in advance. No. You don't. No, okay. no, not at all. And um, so the the day we're going to start wrapping things up around two thirty. Uh, so you know it's a it's a shorter day, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, we're we've all had a great time in the past, and this year I think it's just going to be even even more exciting with all of the events that we've got going on. All right, so I, I'm a big fan of, um, I used to live in Maryland, so I got to go to the Maryland Sheep and Wool every year. It was like right down the street, kind of. And um, I was always a big, I got really excited about the sheep to shawl competition mm -hmm. thing. I mean, that was just like a, that's like a marathon, really. It's like so many, whoops, so many levels of things. Um, how do you do speed knitting? Like, how do you... <laughs> How do you measure it? Like, how do you, how does that even work? Yeah, so usually what you do, uh, a lot of times you have a certain number, everybody has a certain number of stitches that are cast on. And once you say go, they have a, a certain amount of time, everybody is times, and you knit as fast as you can within that time. And then what you do is you take the knitting and measure it to see how many rows everybody Okay, that. well, you're measuring rows, so exactly. not gauge. I mean, I yeah, mean yeah, that, yeah right? exactly. Yeah. So, so for non-knitters, gauge is like how loose or tight you knit, <laughs> and it, I could see a lot of abuse if yeah. people were like knitting super loose, and they're like, "I've knit five yards yeah. of stuff." No, well, yeah. definitely measure rows because you know if somebody knit really tight and somebody else knit very loose, then the the length of the knitting would vary drastically. So we'll count the rows and and whoever has done the most rows within that amount of time will win, so. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I'm ex that's exciting, I am not, I doubt I'm a fast knitter. I just, here at work we had this competition one day where we were using a typing thing to see who was a fast typer, and I'm like, oh, I'm a totally fast typer, I've totally got this. And then I was like the slowest typer in the whole building. I had no idea, and so I kinda don't, I kind of want to know if I'm a fast knitter, and I kind of don't want to know. So I'm thinking about this now. Maybe I want to know if I'm the slowest knitter in the room. That's it's okay. all for fun, but there are medals at stake. You know? Right. See, oh, the medals. Oh. Maybe the pom-pom toss. I mean, there's different events. <laughs> there's options out there for you. pom-pom <laughs> toss. I like the idea of that, too. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. So um, how can people find out more about this? Is there a way that... People can check out. Yeah, so yeah. everything we do uh, links back to our website. So obviously, muscleofyarn.com is sort of the hub of everything, um, including our store and, and all the products that we sell. Um, but we're also on Instagram and Facebook. We're pretty much everywhere as Muscle of Yarn. Nice. It's not Score. hard to find us. <laughs> yeah. But if you're tuning in and you're not here in Vermont, 
you can check out the website for Worldwide Knit and Public Day. Almost all of the events mm-hmm. uh, register with that website, and so you can check in your local community and see if there's any events going on near you. And I, you know, I've got the URL here, and it's www.kipdayalltogether.com. I will share that link also on uh, the Upside VT Facebook page and Instagram, um, so you'll be able to check that out uh, after the show. That's great. So um, any last thoughts or advice for people who maybe are not yet knitting or not yet doing anything? What, should, what would you want to do to get started? If, you've been li- if someone stuck it out for this whole hour listening to this fascinating conversation <laughs> and you're not knitting, I know you want to knit now, right? So, or crochet. What do people do? Don't you really ni- want a really nice hat for next winter? Hats are super fast, super easy to start. We have um, we have classes, obviously, and and Kelly does a lot of individual sessions or small group sessions uh, that so people could come to learn to knit or crochet anytime they want. We're happy to help, and uh, and you should definitely pick up your needles and get going. I think one of the things I love the most about this craft is that there's know what I refer to as knitting police. (laughs) So if you make a mistake, it's either you can fix it or you can live with it or you can figure out a way to make it work. And it just, I find it super relaxing, super meditative, and it's just a way for me to unwind uh, at the end of a busy day. And it's, I would encourage anybody to, to take this up. I would say for anybody who hasn't started yet to not be afraid to do it. Um, It can be easy to be intimidated by watching people who have done it for years. It looks really, really easy. And you will be frustrated. It's like learning any new skill. You know, there's... There is a curve, a learning curve to it, but it's, it's so rewarding and, you know, you can get into it for just a little bit of money. You don't have to spend a lot of money to pick it up. Um, there are some great yarns out there, but you know, you can start at kind of any level and, you know, YouTube is great. There's a lot of resources there, but you know, if you get stuck, go to your local yarn store because that's what they really should be there for to help you out and, and get you on the right track. Cause there's a lot of information when you're first starting and, um, and it can, it can be a little daunting, but use your local yarn store. That's what they're for. Awesome. Use your local yarn store folks. I've been speaking with Jen Arbuckle, Kelly Adi, and Angela Zakowski, the owners of Must Love Yarn. We've been talking about knitting, community, um, the worldwide Knit in Public Day, and uh, just the power of connecting with other folks around something you love and how it can lead to many more wonderful things in your life. Thank you all for being here. This was really wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. The Upside is produced by me and Spindle and Widget and is broadcast live from 99.3 FM WBTVLP in the south end of Burlington, Vermont, streaming online at 993wbtv.org. You can find out more about this show and upcoming stuff on my Facebook and Instagram page, The Upside VT. Past shows can be heard at mixcloud.com slash The Upside VT, and podcasts of the interviews can be found at The Upside VT on iTunes and at soundcloud.com slash The Upside VT. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.